Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm here with you today with another solo pod. Part of the reason why I'm doing a solo pod is because I am sort of waxing nostalgic about something that I've never mentioned on the show before, but that has been a personal hobby of mine for years. And it's led to a lot of the way that I think about marketing and complex systems in general. And uh, that hobby is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Basically, from 2015 up until the pandemic ended up shutting down the sport for the foreseeable future, I had the fortune of training at the legendary Marcelo Garcia Academy in New York City. So this is a place where people literally travel from all over the world. We're talking Japan, Brazil, Europe, all over the place, just to train for a couple few days there because Marcelo Garcia, the guy who runs the academy, is considered pretty much the consensus greatest of all time in the sport. So if you're a fan of Tim Ferriss, uh, he actually referred to Marcelo as the Michael Jordan plus Wayne Gretzky of the sport. If you ever watched the uh, short-lived Tim Ferriss Experience show, he actually did an episode at the academy, and that was actually with... His friend and co-founder of the Academy, Josh Waitzkin, who is the chess prodigy that was the subject of the film Searching for Bobby Fischer. So a lot of really, really interesting, really, really smart people that have gotten involved in that sport and the Academy in general. And it was awesome to train there because we had some of the top talent in the world that was traveling to go there, professional UFC fighters in all the time, that sort of thing. So uh, to take a step back, this podcast is not a pitch on Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I'm going to do my best to keep it as light on this as possible. It's honestly a terrible time to evangelize the sport because it's shut down due to COVID, but why I care about this and why I think there are a lot of lessons to learn is because there are a lot of really useful mental models surrounding this sport because it is a complex system. And basically how, if you can use this as, as a mental model, it's, it's how to interact with building and applying a skill set in a competitive environment where the rules are constantly changing and the dynamics are constantly changing. And also kind of because of the proximity I had there with so many people that were doing this at such a high level, I had a lot of insights into the mindset of really truly elite performers, greatest of all times in anything, which is personally fascinating regardless of the field. I don't know about you guys, but I'd probably listen to a podcast on the best fly fisherman in the world that have never cast a rod in my life. <laughs> Just because I find it really interesting to hear how how top performers think. But again, the one thing that I've been able to apply this to, and probably the one that you're the most interested in considering the title of the podcast is marketing, and I'll get into the overlap as we go. So without further ado, here are the top seven things that I learned from training with the Michael Jordan of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So the first lesson that I learned is that in Jiu-Jitsu, there's a phrase that says you either win or you learn. So for a little bit of background, the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is pretty unique within the world of martial arts because it's very sparring based. So it's not like Aikido or, or any of these uh, traditional martial arts where you're kind of learning forms and demonstrating things. And the thing that really made Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu popular was that basically on UFC 1, they had this really, really skinny guy named Pois Gracie who ended up 
beating the crud out of basically all these massive boxers and wrestlers and all this stuff because the sport itself is really effective. And the reason why is because people train it all the time and the techniques work in real life. If they don't work in real life, then you're gonna get your butt kicked, plain and simple. So the corollary to that is that you win or you learn. And this is a, a phrase that they say, and sometimes you have days in the mats where you're, I mean, usually we're, you, you end up getting about five or six rounds of training depending on, on where you're going with the classes. And sometimes you'll have five or six awful rounds. And awful in the sense of, of you being able to lose, but the thing is that there's no such thing as negative feedback in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. If you, if you win, that's great, but if you don't, you usually have something to hang your hat on as far as what you're able to not do the next time. So kind of like that old Thomas Edison adage, you have to fail a lot of different times. And this is actually kind of a corollary and, and not necessarily a jujitsu specific phrase, but basically you know, this, this idea that the master has failed more times than the beginner has, has ever tried. And kind of the correlated this to marketing is that there's a lot of people that don't have success in something or have this kind of perceived success that they're going to have, but they're actually scared to show up and try out whether the stuff that they're doing is going to work or not. So this is a kind of common scenario that happened at Marcellus, but also you, you can actually see, see videos of this on YouTube if you've ever bored. But there's this, uh, this idea of these guys who are you know, sometimes street fighters or tougher guys that will come into the gym and just say, yeah, you know what, I'm going to really kick butt at this. And one of the things that you'll also hear in jujitsu a lot is that there's really no people who have egos at the higher levels because basically you'll have gotten stomped out so many times that it's really, really hard to think of yourself as a tough guy when you've known all these people who can harm you in so many different ways. And it's really, really great way to have humility. So the thing that you'll see very commonly is that these people who are really tough people will come through. And a lot of times these can, even if they're not a street fighter, sometimes you have the CrossFit guys or guys who are super buff and they have this perception that they're going to be able to absolutely crush it. And then usually they'll end up getting whooped up on by somebody who is a small girl or somebody who's like an old guy who has really good technique. And then that's when they end up going in. But again, I have to give kudos to those guys because a lot of times if they stick around, they can be really good. But for the most part, a lot of those people will never try to actually test it out. And this is very similar to something that we see with people moving from referrals to closing a business on their own with, with external marketing channels. So you have these people who kind of like to hang their hat on, oh yeah, like I have a hundred percent close rate or blah, blah, blah. And they're, they have this idea, and this is something that I've kind of talked about on this previous podcast about the fear of failure and fear of success, is that they'd basically rather hang on to that idea of being really good at something, and in this case, closing clients. And it's easier to say, hey, look, you know, I know that the minute I turn AdWords on, then it's going to work out for me, is sometimes more comfortable to hold on to than actually trying it. But again, going full circle, you either win or you learn. If you fail at something in marketing or in jujitsu, it's just a way to figure out how not to do something the next time. All right, point number two, we all have the same time. So in jujitsu, there's a lot of different techniques and I'm not gonna go into the basics of, of how the, the sport works or what the, the overall objective is, but basically you know, you're trying to get to a position where you could submit somebody or have sort of a positional dominance. The ways that you get there are myriad to say the least. And there's constantly new techniques that are being introduced, people creating new stuff. And you know, especially with the advent of stuff like YouTube, there's people that are researching techniques from some random guy who's training in his garage in South Dakota. And then that could be something that you can try out and do in, in your school the next day. 
So one of the things that I found really, really interesting, and I had the fortune of training with another world champion who trained at the Marcelo Garcia Academy. This was a gentleman by the name of Bernardo Faria. So he was a four-time world champion, and we actually ended up becoming close friends because I was actually helping him out with some internet advertising stuff back in the day um, because he was getting a jiu-jitsu superstore set up, and that's actually quite a successful store today. But anyways, in, or, in exchange for helping Bernardo, I was actually able to take some private lessons with him, and I found it really interesting it's because Bernardo had a really interesting philosophy. And one of the things that they always used to teach me, and I'd, I'd actually have trained with probably four or five other jiu-jitsu schools outside of Marcel's regularly prior to, to going there. But basically, one of the things they'd always do is, all right, cool, so you're going to do this technique and you're going to do it to the left one side, you know, alternate doing it to the left and to the right. So what Bernardo told me, and he basically had this really, really meteoric rise after he'd gotten achieved a black belt, which is kind of the highest level of competition. He ended up winning really, really quickly and had a super dominant couple of years before he ended up retiring from competition. But he was known for having this absolutely unstoppable passing technique that was called, happened to be called the over-under pass. But he told me, so he said, Jan, so here's the thing. I don't think that you should train things on both sides. And I said, that's really weird. I've never heard that before. What, what's kind of your rationale behind that, Bernardo? He says, well, here's the thing. If I'm drilling or I'm training or I have basically the same amount of time as everyone else in the gym. So if I'm training this to my good side every single time and everyone else is training it to their good side and their bad side equally, when it comes time for me to go up against that person, I'm going to have the advantage of being able to have done that twice as much as they have. And that really stuck with me <laughs> because it's a very, very good approach to take for kind of any sort of learning that you can possibly do. So for in Bernardo's instance, the reason why he was so unstoppable is because not only did he focus on stuff on one side, he actually focused on a few really, really, really strong techniques. And he didn't have an extremely broad base of all these different things he could do. Sure, he could do a lot. I mean, you don't get to black belt without learning a couple of things, but the stuff that he was truly world class at he had so much distance between what he could do and what anyone else that he was facing against could do. And that's why he was able to get his success as soon as he did. So basically taking this full circle to the world of legal marketing, everyone for the most part has the same time of the day that they can focus on things. And basically I really am not a proponent of being a jack of all trades. I think the people that are really, really good at something are so much better than people that are not so good at something that it doesn't really make a benefit. So I, I kind of see this, this different sort of, it's almost like there's two camps in terms of how one should pursue marketing or pursue a marketing skill set. So the first camp is kind of the camp that I mentioned that Bernardo was in, which is get extremely good at something. If you're going to be uh, niching down to a specific traffic channel, just be like, the, you know, the guy who does nothing but Facebook ads is going to be much better than the person who does Facebook ads one day a week. On the other hand, there's there's kind of this mentality where you have kind of a hedge your bet sort of situation. So you might try out getting some content out and maybe you do a podcast and maybe you do some videos and maybe you do some Facebook lives and maybe you send out some flyers and you get the idea. But basically, it's, it's kind of different because you're never actually really going to get super good at any of those one things. Now, there is kind of the caveat that within a local market, it's sometimes a little bit less competitive than on a national stage. But at the same time, this is kind of something I, I used to evaluate the people that we end up working with because we also do, you know, we do work. I have, a, I have people that produce this podcast <laughs> and uh, hello to May if you're hearing this. But basically, you know, we evaluate stuff based on who's the people who are doing all this, this thing 
all the time. Specialists are always going to be better demand. And the thing is that not only is it that they're on day one, are they going to be better at what it is that they do? As time goes on, that gap is going to continue to get bigger and bigger. So absolutely, really, really big point. We all have the same time at the end of the day, and your focus is going to really determine how fast and how far you can go. Okay, so third thing that I learned is that playing to your strengths. Basically, in jujitsu, there's a lot of different techniques that are sorted for different body types. So again, without trying to get super deep into technique, there's a specific type of game that Marcelo plays. And in the early days, a lot of the people that were his star students were all kind of doing his same type of game. Now, the thing about Marcelo is that he has kind of a long torso. He's got short legs and he plays a, a game that's referred to as butterfly guard and jujitsu if you happen to follow. But that is not the best type of situation for every person. So ironically, during the time that I was training jujitsu at the school, I actually wasn't really playing much of a uh, Marcelo game. And if you've ever met me in person, you'll know that I kind of have a short torso. I have long arms and kind of a gangly fellow. <laughs> but basically, I can't really do that same kind of thing because I would just get absolutely whooped. So kind of a corollary to that is that there's no right move. It's not like the situation where there's this kind of five finger death punch that's gonna win every single fight. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any kind of a conversation about what's happening, this wouldn't be evolving. It's the right move for the right time. So there's even situations where somebody like Bernardo who had a really, really great technique that was super refined, wouldn't be able to play that against certain players. But thankfully, thankfully his B game and his C game were good enough to the point where he was still winning world championships. But you can't just be married to a single technique. And again, this is sort of counter to my last point, but you have to have backup plans in place. So kind of the corollary to this to marketing. I think people should play to their strengths. So there are people who are really, really good on camera and if you're good on camera, then YouTube's the, the, the right move. Um, there's people who are great writers. And if you're a great writer, then you should be writing blog posts or you should be writing copy or you should be writing email marketing and stuff. But if you give that kind of advice to somebody who doesn't have that skill set, then they're not going to do as well. And kind of on the flip side, if you look at somebody, maybe in your market, maybe it's a mentor and they say, oh, my God, wow, it's crazy that these guys had so much success. That might not be applicable to you because people have different strengths. So this is kind of tough to do. And again, you can't really have, this is sort of one of those trial and error things, but you, you most, more or less, and like, I don't want to say that people have fixed skill sets, but there are certainly natural tendencies that are on the level of the benefits that you'd get from having a certain body structure in a physical sport. You probably know by this point, whether you're more of a talker or more of a writer and, or maybe you're good at both and you have more options than somebody else. But basically, you know, playing to your strengths is more important. There's no absolutes in terms of what's the best technique for doing something in marketing or in life. Now, this is uh, another interesting one. So this is focusing on the fundamentals. So in the world of jiu-jitsu, there's kind of your tried and true techniques, and there are things that are constantly being cooked up. So you kind of mentioned that that example of finding some crazy technique on YouTube that there's guys that are figured out in their gym in South Dakota. And this is kind of how that stuff would usually work. So and, and there's actually this uh, <laughs> there's this there's this kind of a somewhat pejorative term in the jujitsu community of a YouTube black belt. And these are the people who are constantly doing the research and they're trying to get the next thing out there. And how this will end up playing out nine out of 10 times is you'll have a technique that will work on the people that you train with. They'll figure it out and then you're going to have to figure out a new technique to try next week because everyone's going to have the counter to it. 
And that's kind of one approach and people actually do do that for a really long time. But the other approach would be focusing on the fundamentals. So there's a, a couple of there's a couple of things in jujitsu, stuff like being able to maintain good pressure, controlling space, having good timing, that kind of thing are, are things that are really timeless and will apply to a lot of different techniques. So if you can have a good mastery over those, then it really opens up just kind of the game as a whole. Now, the corollary to this for marketing is, is the situation where I think there are fundamentals in marketing and I think there are, the, are, there are things that kind of amount to uh, parlor tricks. So I'll kind of give an example. So there's this really interesting strategy that was working a little while back. Uh, and this was basically um, there's there's a geofencing strategy that was working on Facebook. And we actually were working with some people that were doing that. So it's kind of interesting because while this was working and Facebook ended up shutting this down. So it wasn't like a really great story at the end of the day, but basically Facebook ended up shutting it down. But for the, for the time being, basically this was a fantastic way to only serve Facebook ads to personal injuries. So if you take people that have been paying $50 per click on Google and to, to get to the people who are in a hospital because they're typing in personal injury lawyer, Nome, Alaska, or wrongful death lawyer, that's one way to approach it for $50 a click, but we could basically get these for 50 cents a click on Facebook. So these people were making an absolute killing on the cost per lead. So people were succeeding on that in spite of not having good fundamentals. And one of the things that we realized from one of the people that we were working with, and we kind of had a very hands-off arrangement with them, but basically we realized that these people could not write copy to save their lives. So these guys were a 10 out of 10 on, on having the, the newest thing, and that was what they were able to succeed on. But as far as the kind of general stuff for marketing, they were a little bit less strong. So copywriting, in my opinion, is one of those fundamental skill sets in marketing and again, it really kind of boils down to persuasion and structuring arguments. And again, a lot of the similar stuff you might use in the courtroom, but in the context of marketing, intake, sales, that kind of stuff, being able to have an empathetic position with the person that you're speaking to, try to phrase things and, and anticipate what it is that they're they're resonating with in terms of what you could potentially be speaking about is a very, very fundamental skill. If you take a good copywriter and give them five or 10 hour boot camp on TikTok marketing or, or whatever, they'll probably be able to figure out a way to get this going for, for long. So that's kind of the thing too. And, and if you're kind of thinking about this, zooming out a bit on these kind of complimentary or sorry about these contrasting approaches, the person who focuses on the fundamentals and really gets it locked down is going to be able to generalize that skill set across the new domains that it comes across. And on the flip side, the people who have the crazy stuff are going to have success. It's fleeting. But again, you have to kind of keep chasing that high of the newest whiz bang thing. And again, what's going to happen when <laughs> the tricks run out? You don't really have any fundamentals that you've learned in the, in, in the mean place uh, in the meantime. And again, a lot of this stuff succeeding in spite of the fundamentals will just matter of time until that ends up running out. All right. This is another one. Okay. So number five. So expert help is the biggest shortcut. So this is actually going to be a throwback to Bernardo as well. So I ended up having the situation where I was really, really stuck in my progress for a couple of years leading up to when I started training at Marcelo's. After I ended up starting to train with Bernardo, he was able to take a look at how I was doing things. And within about one minute, he was able to identify where my sticking point was. So where I was more or less stalemated for a year or two prior to coming there, he was able to kind of open up my game. And then you know, for anyone who's referencing, this is a, anyone who knows me personally, this is a type of jujitsu referred to as half guard. And I went from being kind of like a middle of the road guy. I'm not super athletic, so it wasn't really great for me from that perspective. But I was doing pretty well and, and considered one of the better half guard players, at least in my belt at the school, which was great. But again, the gap was a lot smaller than I knew. 
And the other thing is that I didn't know what I didn't know. So the whole lesson from this is that expert help is a really, really huge shortcut because a lot of the times too, especially when you're thinking about these complex systems, marketing, jujitsu, there's so many different factors that you can't really know how these different things are all interacting with each other. And when you have somebody who kind of has that, what Warren Buffett refers to as a 10 second mind, which is how he, he talks about Charlie Munger, it's basically, you know, you have somebody who's able to process a lot of inputs and then mentally check out, okay, well, if we tune this up or that up or this up, this is what's going to happen and kind of go through all of this different stuff that would a lot of the times take in, you know, in my case, in, in terms of my Brazilian jujitsu <laughs> years to correct, if it ever got corrected, you know, they can, they can figure that out in one minute. So honestly, it's just kind of that insight and being able to know how the different things close that it becomes a really good shortcut. And the thing is that at the, at the same time too, expert help, it's a huge shortcut in terms of time. And a lot of the times when it comes to marketing or sales or anything that you want to do in business, it's usually exchange for money. The people who are good at this kind of stuff don't really do it for free. So I've had a lot lot of situations and it actually was it was kind of an eye-opener for me personally because I you know I happen to have a pretty cool arrangement with the guy I was doing privates with but since that point I've been way more likely so you know I still to this day I invest tens of thousands of dollars in coaching programs every single year and I'm happy to do it because these are shortcuts and the thing is that it's never about are you know are, am I smart enough to figure a lot of this stuff out yeah probably I'm pretty dumb. But anyways, I can still figure out some some things on a long enough timeline. But if it comes down to figuring out on my own in a matter of years or figuring out in a matter of weeks or months to get something to me, and, and this is a decision that people have to make for themselves, a lot of the times the shortcut in time is worth it. And we're talking about business. A lot of the times this is this is a financial thing. So if you had to pay a certain amount of money to get a result sooner, if you were weighing it against the, the choice of not doing anything, yeah, you should never spend that money. But if you think about stuff like opportunity cost, a lot of the times you're actually spending less when you just get the damn thing sooner. So somebody consider, uh, I really, really took this out of the sport. Again, I think there's, there's no shame in asking for help. And a lot of the times, the fact that it's had on my life and my business since I kind of made that jump has been moving a lot further, a lot faster than I'd ever expected. Okay, kind of a sort of for point six, we have sort of a corollary to that. And that is that active learning is much more powerful than a data dump. So in the context of jujitsu, there's a lot of different ways that people can learn things on their own. And kind of one of the, the popular ways to to learn things in jujitsu. And I, I kind of mentioned the YouTube thing, which is like, uh, you know, whatever, free, cheap, lame version of that. But a lot of the best people, the best athletes will put out a lot of DVDs. So as a matter of fact, Bernardo puts out a ton of DVDs. <laughs> but basically, if you have a bunch of techniques, and then usually they'll just, hey, look, you know, these are all of our, these are all my best moves. There's people who, the same way that the, the, there's sort of the, the pejorative of the YouTube black belt, there's also the pejorative of the DVD junkie. So a lot of the times, information on its own is not useful. Information does not become useful until you're able to employ it in practice and ultimately get to the point where you understand which path is better than the other, right? So when it ended up coming down to my personal training, so basically I had a situation where, you know, there was a lot of different situations, but when I was, when I was training with Bernardo, we ended up having a situation where I was very, very focused on one or two techniques at a time. And I would just drill those to absolute death. That would be the, the only thing I was going for in my sparring sessions for the next week or two weeks. And then we'd go back and we'd say, okay, cool. Well, this is what I learned. This is what worked for me. This is what didn't work for me. And then we can kind of take the next step. But the thing is that that actually allowed me to consolidate these techniques a lot quicker. 
because I was I was going slower, but I was figuring these out really, really thoroughly. And it's kind of going back to the point two of all having the same time. But the other thing is that I was able to actually use these in training. So the contrast would be the people who just watch DVDs over and over and over again. And it's actually been shown in, in, in studies that there's basically a lot of trial learning doesn't really happen when you're just doing rote memorization. So you can you can watch somebody you know, learn how to ride a bike or just somebody start to ride a bike a hundred times. It's not going to make it any easier when you actually get on the bike yourself. But again, once you get to the point where you can actually do something, then that is probably the best way to learn because you're consolidating it. Your brain's taking feedback. You're forming those neural pathways and it's something that you can hopefully stick to and, and keep for a long time. So my kind of corollary for this is I think a lot of people make the mistake of going too broad and learning too many things and not getting a chance to implement them. Quick example. So sometimes we, we have people who are, and again, this is this is something we see more on the agency side at Case Fuel. So sometimes we have people that are really, really fond of having coaching groups and there's people that are really interested in having a, you know, buying a lot of different products and a lot of different courses and a lot of different stuff. And a lot of the times I don't see a lot of success happening with these people because they're kind of like those DVG junkies, right? So they've bought the newest thing on webinars or Facebook ads or Google ads or local service or whatever. And what they do is they end up going super deep. They watch every single video a hundred times, but they're not actually taking the time to implement it. And while they might have a theoretical grasp on what is needed to do this, the if you wanted to see how how well these these people knew what they were studying three years or even a year from now, chances are it would be a lot different than if they had decided to focus on one thing and actually implement it. Because the implementation is what actually consolidates the learning. And then again, this has just been my personal experience, but it's it's been the experience of a lot of people that I saw that were doing really successfully at the academy and a lot of people <laughs> that I've seen being really successful at moving forward in their law firm and growing a bigger practice. So it's very important. Obviously, you need to have information and it helps to have guidance and information. But really, where the rubber meets the road is when you're actually able to implement that and then get some real traction on, on, on how it's working in your mind. OK, my last point is that masters don't need a game plan, but everyone else does. <laughs> so basically, one of the things and this is this is what Marcelo is really, really famous for, is that if you watch video of this guy training, you'll see stuff that was never, ever used before and may never be used since. He doesn't have a game plan. What he's actually known for is being best in a position that's, well, it's just, it's just a position called a scramble. So basically, it's 50-50. It's it could go either way, but he's moving faster. He's closing distance. He's doing stuff that people don't expect. And whenever there's sort of a chaotic situation, he always happens to come out on top. But it's not just because he's luckier because he's super athletic and he's even an older guy at this point. He's still running circles around guys that are younger and, and, and uh, faster than him. But basically, like kind of like a jazz musician, he has a command of the bass principles and is able to sort of improvise from there. But again, like I said, you can do that as a master, but for everybody else, it, it kind of helps to have a game plan. So this is also something that, I mean, this is something you see in martial arts in general. This is some big point that was in um, Bruce Lee's The Tao of Jeet Kune Do, which is also a really good book if you have time and you're interested in this kind of thing as far as just systems for learning. In general, for, for beginners, it works to follow a blueprint. And the reason that a blueprint will work in the beginning is because with something that's complex, whether it's marketing, whether it's martial arts, 
there are so many different variables that you can kind of go in one direction and have these second and third tier consequences that you can't foresee. And as a beginner, you don't have the full scope of how these things are going to affect each other. So the best way to have it is a system where you can kind of tell, and again, well, it's, it's, it's a system that's been decided for you where these things have been set up in such a way that they can only break in certain directions. And because it's a system, you can kind of follow it. So again, with the way that I was learning for, you know, the, the way that people were learning with the way that Marcelo does his game or the way that I was learning how Bernardo does his game, those are really good blueprints. Past the point where you have mastery of the blueprint, then it makes sense to improvise. But a lot of the times when people kind of start out and they want to skip towards the end, it's like you don't have people who are really good jazz musicians that just play whatever comes to mind. It's like the best jazz musicians have a really, really great command of the fundamentals. Same thing that, you know, the best martial artists have a really good command of the fundamentals. But again, short of that, it really probably makes sense to start with more of a blueprint. So that is my last point. And I hope this was interesting. Uh, if you happen to tune this out a long time ago, then you probably won't be hearing this. But if you were interested in this, and I would be really surprised, I don't know, we have a decent listener base. So if you happen to be a fan of the podcast that does jujitsu, I would love to hear from you. But other than that, I hope this was valuable and gives you something to think about when it comes to plotting how you are going to improve your game, whether it's in marketing or any other aspect of your life. So that is it for me, and I will be with you guys next week at Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.